What's happening? I'm writer, researcher, and professor Dr. Regina Bradley. I'm music journalist Christina Lee. From WABE and PRX, this is Bottom of the Map, taking hip-hop conversation in a new direction. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dr. Regina Bradley, and this is a special bonus edition of Bottom of the Map. Um, and I'm really excited about this conversation because we'll be talking about a really significant, super dope event that's coming to Atlanta October 22nd. It is a live performance of Ta-Nehisi Coates' groundbreaking book, Between the World and Me. And I have two of the folks who are responsible for bringing that to the A. So do you mind introducing yourselves to the audience and telling us who you are and where you're from? Uh, name is Ronald B. Williams. I am from Southwest Atlanta slash College Park. All right. Hey, my name is Erin White. I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, but I live here in Atlanta. Awesome. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Let's start with the book first. I feel like, you know, so when uh, Between the World and Me was released in 2015, it was a sensation, to say the least, right? Um, most folks had known uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates from the op-eds that he wrote for The Atlantic. Um, and then the book comes out, and it was really fascinating because of the structural similarities to a James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that the book was set up was that it is uh, a letter to his son, and talking about the issues and concerns of race and identity in contemporary America. Um, So I'm kind of curious, do you have any opening thoughts about what stood out to you about the book itself? Well, I can say, like, kind of being in New York, um, I got the book from my, I'll call her my my New York mom or my auntie, and she Uh works in the publishing industry. And so a lot of what they did from a marketing standpoint is they released a book early to people, and they gave it to kind of like, you know, influencers in, in, in New York, and people started to, to read it. And so when they started to, to, to read the book, they started to tell other people about the book. Mm-hmm. And the book wasn't really supposed to come out until fall, like 2015, but it created such a buzz in, in New York, and, and the people who had it that they had to release it in the, in the summertime. And so when I personally read the book, read the book in probably like maybe two two or three days. Oh, wow. And um, what struck me about it, it was it was the first book to really talk about what it feels to be black in America. Not the experiences, but what it feels like. I thought it was a very internal, within books from an emotional standpoint to where I felt what ta was feeling when he was talking about his son, mm-hmm. when he was talking about his experiences. And I really, really connected to that. And so that's the first thing that really struck me about the book. Awesome. Aaron. Yeah, and for me, you know, uh, ta went to Howard uh, for a time. And so just in that ecosystem alone, mm-hmm. as soon as we heard it was dropping, uh, a lot of us grabbed it. Um, and it was a must-read for a lot of reasons. Obviously, he's accomplished, but um, he's still one of hours so yeah um to read that and growing up in baltimore i actually went to high school and college mm. with him and um just reading through that book even though it was a letter to his son as a young woman growing up in baltimore i could relate um viscerally mm. to the content and um and uh, like ron and i'm sure he has i've read it a couple times and it's almost like a reference you see something different every single time and it's such an important book because as goes baltimore goes atlanta goes you know cincy goes uh compton goes 
you know, and so it's a really relevant work across cities. And I, I just to kind of just piggyback off that, I really love how you said the HU is an ecosystem. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also thinking about the significance of HBCU. So I'm sure. an HBCU graduate myself. And if we can't support, we right. will we will support. Oh, so yeah. it's not just like, oh, everybody knows you. Even if nobody really knew you, like, exactly. we're going to boost you up. Like, exactly. everybody should know them. Family. Um, but I, I want to, like, kind of talk about that idea of an ecosystem, especially when the book dropped, because so much turmoil was going on in, in America at that time. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a lot of backlash um, from a lot of the senseless deaths of young black men and boys at the hands of vigilante folks and, and anti-police brutality. And and then you have this book that's almost, it's not necessarily a bomb, but it's exactly wrong what you were talking about. It's like, I see you. It was mm-hmm. more like a affirmation. I see you. I see what you're going through. I see through this idea of rage. Right. Um, and to be able to meticulously put that together as like a generational heirloom, something to pass down to his son mm. to be like, you know, I see this is what happened to me. This is how I see this happening for you. This is like a tool. It's almost like a work kit. That's right. Um, and and being able to do that. So um, the book comes out. It is a sensation. It is necessary. It's on time. And then there was the idea to perform it. And the reason that that kind of stands out for me is, you know, as a literary scholar, I'm like, oh, okay, usually when folks want to bring prose to, to life, it's something like, you know, poetry, uh, theater, performance. But this was a memoir piece that yeah. lived on its own, but now it's getting this extra set of life that was instilled into it. Um, and it was in Harlem. Which, you know, historically, culturally, you know, was the pulse of, mm-hmm. of black America from the early 19th century up to now. And then, you know, kind of making its way, making its rounds. And now that event is coming to Atlanta. And mm-hmm. I'm super hyped. I'm so excited <laughs> to see this. No idea. I'm so excited to, to see this. So let's start from the jump. Like, why did you feel it was, what, what was it about the piece that you were like, you know what, we need to bring that to Atlanta? Well, I was sitting in and in, in initially just, you know, to kind of give you a, a really illustration of sure. uh, of a moment. And you have these moments. They had this moment in, in, in Harlem at Monday. You know, mm-hmm. they announced that Oprah was going to be there. And usually when you have those moments, you can feel the energy around the Apollo, around 125th Street. It'll travel all through Harlem. You'll wow. see people walking. You can just you can just sense it. Mm-hmm. And so I got this ticket last minute, day of, um, from someone, and they said, "Hey, you know, I got a, a ticket. My my friend canceled. You know, can you make it?" And I was like, "That person, yes." Before they they could even finish, you know, finishing the text. You already I was like, texted. I was, like, I was, I was like, "I'm do. there." Yeah, yeah. And so I, I go down, and I really don't know what it is. I I know it's a you know Tanahasi between the world and me but I really wasn't sure. And I start to look on the marquee for uh, the Apollo and I see Joe Morton. I said, okay, cool. I said, come. And I said, wow, I see Black Thought. Like, that's like my favorite MC. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, what is this? And All I these worlds are starting to Angela collide. Angela Bassett. And I'm standing in the front with Bevy Smith, who is like Harlem, Harlem. Okay, so we're both okay. waiting on our tickets. We're sitting there and you just... You just feel this moment, and so mm-hmm. when you walk in, you know I see you know Deb Lee from from BET, the chairman of BET, and I start to get a sense like, oh, this is one of those moments. And mm-hmm. I had a really good seat, you know, I was fourth row, right in the front. And and when you walk in, they had the music playing by Jason Moran, and you see the wow. stage, and it's it's just beautiful. It's mm-hmm. got between the world and me, and witnessing. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here not really knowing what I'm about to to experience. So I sit down, and people are talking, and and people are, you know, you see people that you know, and everybody is talking ahead a nice little DJ like Apollo creates a, a very soulful you know energy Community before space. they mm-hmm. they present something and so as soon as 
um, the actors walk out, I see Angela Bassett and, you know, her like just regal self and she walks out and I'm like, wow, this is going to be a big deal. 60 said, going on 20, Angela Bassett. Yes, definitely. So <laughs> that's the first thing, just wrapping my, my, my brain around just just who she was and, and being that close to the moment. And mm -hmm. I think as soon as the, the first person started to, and Camila came out so effortless, like it wasn't a big deal and said, hey, no, just want to introduce the stage adaption play Between the World and Me and boom, and she just left. Wow. And then I think once she did that, the, the room was just totally consumed and focused on that moment. And mm -hmm. it didn't really stop until it ended. And so when I was watching it and I kept thinking about my friends, I kept thinking about, all the HU people, all the people from Atlanta, all the people from HBCUs, all the people who would appreciate this moment. I was like, mm. I've got to bring this home to Atlanta. Like, wow. I really, really want them to experience what this feels like because these are the moments that change your life. Mm -hmm. These are the things that, that you cherish, like beyond, you know, money or material things. It's like these moments, like I was there. And yeah. so, you know, I've seen that, you know, um, every time I talk about it, it just gets gets me emotional. And so um, I just wanted to, to bring it to Atlanta. And once I realized that and reached out to Camila and said, hey, I want to you know bring this to Atlanta. What do you think? And she's like, uh, I said, what are you what are you planning to do with this? She mm -hmm. said, I want to do a five to seven city tour. Is Atlanta one of those cities? Mm. She's you know kind of indifferent, <laughs> you know. And so then we you know, that was over the phone. So then I go back and we have an in person meeting. Mm -hmm. And I think she can sense you know how the work impacted me. Like no, for real. It, like, for it real. jumps today. off of Ron. Yeah, it jumps off. Of no, I can. I yeah. mean, I feel yeah. it just just talking mm -hmm. to you, right? Yeah. Is I mean. I think one of the things that really stands out about the way that Coates is such a prolific writer is he knows how to touch all the right buttons mm -hmm. in ways that are like, in, in other spaces, we can't articulate rage, we can't articulate mm -hmm. vulnerability, especially for black men mm -hmm. in this particular way. Sure. And it's like, oh, we're going to do this. And I think one of the things that really stands out about adapting his, his work is that that gives additional space for black men, particularly younger black men, to be like, you know what? I'm actually seen. It's like right. it's not no invisible man stuff. Like mm -hmm. all of it's, it's the spectrum. It's the wide range of emotions. It's not just me being angry all the time. There's also the beautiful moments. There are also the sad moments, the mm -hmm. introspective moments, and all of that stuff happens in Atlanta. So I, <laughs> so it's it's even just talking to you, Ron. I feel it. Like yeah, it, and when, all those things. And one of the things that really struck me about it, and as I was reading the the playbill uh, about why Camila created this, she said, you know, usually when you're reading a book, you're reading a book in solitude. Mm -hmm. You're reading it by yourself when she read the book she was in a hotel room and she said she had all these wide range mm -hmm. of emotions mm -hmm. as you know um with that being her her godson yep. you know she was crying she was laughing and you know one of their you know really dear friends mm -hmm. prince mm -hmm. uh was yeah. it prince Jen jones yeah prince, prince jones. jones and she said that she wanted to take the experience of reading a book mm -hmm. and make it collective when i thought about that i was like that is just brilliant and mm -hmm. so and ta really just trusted her. He's like, you just go do it. I'll talk to you when you're, when you're done. And what she did is she put together something that was, that was totally brilliant. So I think from a, you know, she's equally, equally as gifted at what she does as he, as, as he is. And so I think that's what, one of the things I want Atlanta to know is like, we're, we're not only bringing ta work here. We're bringing the Apollo brand 
here. Mm-hmm. We're bringing Jason Moran, who was the composer for Selma yeah. in, in 13, who when you watch him compose, what he he's, you know, he's just a, a, a giant. And, mm-hmm. and then you have Camila Forbes, who is just a, a, a star star. She's, she's amazing and extremely talented. And so very rarely do you get the Apollo, Camila Forbes, Ta-Nehisi Coast, Jason Moran, where everybody right now is at the top of their game. You said the Apollo right now is still the epic center of culture with the things that they do and the things that they're building. Mm-hmm. It is still it is still the engine of, of what driving to be able to combine it with Atlanta, which is also the right. epic culture right. center of black. Then you got something special when you when you have a collaboration like this that makes it unique. It's interesting to me as a as a southerner that you know coast is definitely new york all day. like i was like mm-hmm. yeah this is definitely and i wasn't i wasn't mad at that i was just also like how is this going to translate to a majority southern audience and i think atlanta is a great place to do that because atlanta is such a connective tissue to so many black experiences and yeah. black communities across the country around the world you're gonna stop in atlanta even if you just in you know the the, the sea gates <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> you're, you're gonna stop um but the one thing that i was thinking about too we did an episode on bottom of the map uh about black fatherhood and its connection to hip-hop and Coates is hip-hop all day Mm -hmm. um and one of the things as a professor that i play around with with students is you know i try to get them away from this idea that hip-hop culture is just rhyming it's just the music it's also the innovation it's the it's the interest Mm -hmm. and using somebody like a ta-nehisi Coates to do that I'm just like, oh, that's gonna, that's really gonna rock. Especially thinking about um, how regional identity plays into hip hop culture. There's still a strain between southern folks who are like southern hip hop, like myself, and then folks who are like from the northeast who are like, no, 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 <laughs> don't forget where it came from. Right. But to be able to navigate those lines, I think is gonna come through in the actual performances. Yeah. Um, of how those go, so I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts. You know, what what is it about the hip hop aspect of it that you think will really show up in a city like Atlanta that'll make it distinctive from the Apollo performance in New York? Well. For me, I think even before we go there about the distinctiveness, there's a there's ties that bind, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing about music, the thing about hip-hop, especially for us as a people, we see ourselves. True. Regardless of where it is, it's a reflection of our experience and oftentimes our shared experience, which is why when I go to Greece, I hear Atlanta hip-hop. Mm-hmm. When I'm, you know, partying in Mykonos, you know, because it's transcendent. And so hip-hop itself is transcendent. Mm-hmm. But I think you take that and you put it into the stage adaptation that Camila has been able to extract and produce from Coates's work. And you're able to see why anybody would be able to relate to this. And so I think one of the biggest things that I want people to understand is that for this work, sometimes art can be, the word art or the feeling of art can maybe be exclusionary, but this art is for everybody. Gotcha. And not just because it has hip hop in it, but because we can see ourselves mm-hmm. in this art and that we can, it resonates throughout all of us. And so from a hip hop standpoint, for sure, I think you, I hear it when I'm here. We all appreciate hip hop from all the different places. Mm -hmm. But rest assured, without giving away the farm, as this travels, and especially when it comes here to Atlanta, you'll see nuances. Gotcha. Very um, heightened nuances Mm -hmm. of Atlanta hip hop. 
Yeah, because I mean, you know, one of the things that I, I love about hip hop, not just as a hip hop head, but also as a scholar, is that those nuances are what make the culture l- thrive, as That's you were right. pointing out. It's like, you know, there's certain Southern sensibilities that are associated with Southern folks who listen to hip hop that New York folks might not get, and yeah. vice versa. It's yeah. like, there's yeah. just certain hip hop sensibilities that Northeasterners and New Yorkers have that I don't. And, and that's and that's great. And I think that being able to bring such a dynamic event like this one yeah. is really kind of going to show off and amplify why we need to have these types of conversations. But um, Ron, when you were talking, I was also thinking about how um, Camila adapted it. And I'm thinking in particular about how even though this is like a letter between a father and a son, that a woman, a black woman in particular, is also very much part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering how that will play out here. And I, I mean, like, I think that it's really, you know, I can't wait to, to see how that forms because oftentimes we often forget that um, we might not be at the forefront of the conversation. Kind of like when you said Camila kind of just came on stage and was like, yeah, we did this thing. It's going to be dope. And then just walked off. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think speaks to the force of the type of labor that she did. She mm-hmm. was like, let mm-hmm. the work speak for itself. That's Definitely. what it sounded like. Like, yeah. let the work That's speak right. for itself. And even more specifically, let the work touch you in the ways that I'm trying to, per- like, I'm trying to That's perlay. Exactly right. Any other thoughts about, like, what the what the hopes are for you guys to bring that to Atlanta like do you hope to have that same experience that you had or a similar experience that you had when you heard it at the Apollo well I think the the beauty of 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 art and in in cultural moments is that they they have some similarities Mm -hmm. but the the actual experience I think it will be different so New York everybody was speechless like it wasn't you know look at this person and they had you know like wow this was I don't don't even really know what to say Um, when it went to the Kennedy Center in DC you know, it got a six minute standing ovation and people were crying. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what Atlanta mm-hmm. is, how they're going to respond to it. That's the, that's, that's part the beauty of the excitement. Of it. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. we don't know what, you know, how ATL is going to respond to this, this piece of work, but we, we, we anticipate that it will, uh, it will be something that will be reflective of, 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 of their experiences and their, their emotions and what they think about it. So I think that's what's in, intriguing. We don't know until until afterwards, you know. And this is something that, when you see it, you you have to you have to process it. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, you know. I like to use the analogy. This is not your, you know, if you look at it from a, a, a say a bottle of wine. This mm-hmm. is that bottle of wine that you pull out. For that 25th, that fifth anniversary. It's a special edition. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's not the one you just, hey, it's Friday night or Sunday this dinner. This ain't the Kroger brand. <laughs> yeah, so. We like Kroger. No, I like Kroger. I just, you know, sometimes you need the, you know, this the special edition edition. Yes, yes. If Between the World and Me was modeled after James Baldwin's letter to his nephew, yep. and it was like that was something between space and time. He was able to like talk through space and time, like this is things you need to look out for. This is there's still optimism for ideas of being black in America, for sure. And then that's in conversation with Coates and his son, and it's like you know we're talking about these things, the trauma of that experience, but also still be on the lookout for some some aspect of the joy of it. And then you come to Atlanta, which is its own unique, 
like system mm-hmm. um it makes me think about like how art migrates mm-hmm. and it was exactly what you were talking about like you know the way that we respond to the art is also an inclination of the communities that we come from the expectations of performance that we that we have and being able to do that so i'm just kind of curious you know to hear like you know, you said that we can't wait to see because I'm beta. I'm, yes. I can't wait to see too. Um, but do you have any any thoughts about how art like this allows us to have more nuanced, complicated conversations about black experiences, particularly black experiences for men in the United States, in these hot spots of, mm-hmm. you know, black identity, black, you know, black meccas, if you will. Yeah. I mean, for me and Ron, you can chime in. So, when you think about Atlanta and New York at a time and even now <laughs> there are places where we go mm-hmm. to realize a dream to connect with family to build something to eat something when you think about what's here and what this space is known for not just music but you know people still come here black people still come here to realize and build something for themselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know when you go to harlem and i'm speaking specifically about harlem you know you find your black doctors you find your art you know i was in brooklyn right after i graduated from howard and we would go up to harlem with my cousin it would be magnificent art black art all over the walls and you would see yourself and you felt yourself and you felt like what you could be Mm -hmm. even there you know and so i think ron likes to call it a, a marriage a cultural marriage right Mm. and so it we have similarities and differences and one may be up north and one may be down south but when you think about the migration I would even call it it's there are various stops on the diaspora for us here right in the United States I think it really speaks to the fluidness Mm -hmm. and the easiness and why Ron really wanted Atlanta to be the first stop on the tour and I want you to think about that the first First stop stop, on the tour so you know i would implore all atlantans to come out and beyond because that is huge it's a recognition of the art that's already here you know we're setting the standard yeah exactly exactly (laughs) and i think that's that's a huge piece of it ron yeah i was gonna say for somebody who who grew up in southwest atlanta and kind of kind of got like a a significant black experience Mm -hmm. going to Mm -hmm. to maze and and just being able to to see things that I could aspire to to be and kind of being in a a bubble um kind of you know just gave me a unique experience when I I went off to school and so going to Harlem like Harlem was always a you know a dream you go to Harlem and you you feel the swag you Mm. you feel the energy you see you know you see the guys with the the fur coats like Harlem even to this day like they the the it's still got that swag to Mm -hmm. it that you can't get you know anywhere like you go uptown uptown it's got a vibe to it you know it's it's just it's it's Harlem you know Mm -hmm. and you just you know everybody knows Harlem has its, its own brand and and how it um expresses itself to the world Mm -hmm. so it's a brand on on its own you put harlem in front of you know anything you know i had a group an organization i was working at harlem run harlem run had a swag to it because it was from harlem you know and so i think when you combine you know these two you know epic centers of culture black culture which is everybody's culture You've got something special. Like I remember when Goody Mom and Outkast came. It was, you know, soulful. It was such a soulful album that, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted people in New York to be able to feel it 
And so I think it's all about the field game. So I think people, they didn't really understand all the nuances of what those guys were saying, but they, they felt it. Like in Ta-Nehisi's work, it's the same way. It is East Coast. It is B-more. Like, I can, it is New York. Like, he loves Mob Deep, you know, shook one. You know, <laughs> anybody who was in, in, in college in the that's 90s, right. like, that's that's the thing. You can, you, can, you can relate to it. You that know, still you makes connect. me want to do better. Anytime yeah. I hear oh, shook one, yeah, but that's do that's what he posted. <laughs> that's when he, when on the day his book came out on Monday. Mm-hmm. He put that up. He shook what mob did. He put that in his book and he posted it because that was his, that's his thing in any East Coast person, yeah. especially being, you know, from B-more and, and going to Howard and mm-hmm. living in Brooklyn. Like that's just, you know, you just, you just feel that, you know, you can relate to it. So I think the, the cultural marriage wedding between Harlem and Atlanta, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I don't think anybody, you know, Chicago is great, but you know, black culture, man, in, in Atlanta and in, in Harlem, it's, it's, it's special. Yeah. And like she said, it is a place to where you go and, and meet and connect and you aspire to be. You have people who say, hey, I want to come to Atlanta. I want to, you know, have this middle class dream. I used to people like, man, my friends from college, like, you know, I want that. What was it like growing up in Atlanta? <laughs> you know, what was that like? And mm-hmm. so when you go to Harlem, you say, you know, what is it like to have these cultural moments, you know, that find you? You don't yeah. really have to go look for cultural mm-hmm. moments in, in New York and Harlem. It's going to find you. You're going to feel it. And it's just an energy and a vibe. And to be able to have that on October the 22nd and October the 20th and what we're doing is going to, it's going to be a significant cultural moment. You know? it's, it's a vibe. That's basically it's a vibe. It is. I mean, like, and, um, and I'm, I think even more, even more excited than who's actually pre- presenting or performing. I can't wait to hear Jason Moran. Like I, I'm just I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to hear how that uh, resonates with the audience, with a with a Southern audience compared to with a New York audience or a DC audience because something's gonna hit you different. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and that's one of the things you were talking about earlier. Like in, in hip hop, is it depends on where you are. It hits you different. Like if you're if you're in New York, usually it's like the lyrics hit you first or something. Like, and then you come down south, it's the beat. Something's gonna hit me in my in my soul. Gonna shake. Something loose, as they say, that's really going to make me feel even more connected to the performance right. because that because he set up shop like like sonically. Southerners are very sonic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you if you grab our ear, you're grabbing our attention. So right. I cannot wait to see how this this plays out. Yeah, and I was going to say one thing that's unique about the presenters: um, Jay Carter, myself, and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Jay grew up in Harlem. I grew up in Southwest Atlanta. And Aaron grew up in Baltimore. So y'all bringing all the all so, of it and together. That, and that then our powers even, combined. Yeah, that, <laughs> but that actually was not, you know, not really planned. It just happened just happened, that, you yeah. know, you know, I went. We have an inverse where Jay went to high school here, and he, but he still had his his Harlem swag. And I went to to New York, kind of older, and I end up picking up some of the the mm-hmm, Harlem swag. Mm-hmm. And then we got Aaron who has the connection with the stage adaptation, not only, you know, growing up in Baltimore, but going to college and high school with Ta-Nehisi. Yeah. We feel like from a, you know, spiritual, soulful part, mm-hmm. we're we're connected to this work in a, in a special way that it was meant for us to all come together and, and bring this. And one of the things that is an interesting story that when Camila got off the plane, it was it was four of us, it was um, Jay, Jay Carter, uh, Adrian Lofton, who was uh, was working with us early on, and Aaron and and Camila, when she got into the, she came up the escalator and she got into the um, to the car service with us. She said, you know, this feels like a collective. You know, mm-hmm. we got you know we had people from FAM, you know, HBCU. I went to Norfolk State. It was, and she's like, this just feels right because she said I could have went with any of these big producers mm-hmm. that was in the market, but she's like, this feels like family. Mm. 
Right. I think that's it. It's, this, this is like a mini family reunion. Just it bringing, is. Bringing everybody, you know, together. And one of the things I think is, above all else, that is really important, I think, in this day and time, black people, we are really looking for something where we can see ourselves. Mm. If you think, and, and recognize ourselves. Mm -hmm, so if mm -hmm. you um, go and, and you think about all the hubbub that happened around Black Panther, it's because we could see ourselves in a light that was not associated with negativity, it was not associated with pain, it was associated with who we know ourselves to be. And if you kind of overlay that on Coates' work, mm -hmm. he is unapologetic in his work and talking to his son and saying that you have a right, if you look at Angela Bassett's um, excerpt from the one at the, from the stage adaptation in Apollo, it's like, you know what, you have, a, basically saying you have a right to be here. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's Atlanta, whether it's the high school kids or the college kids or the seniors or the civic organizations or us that, that show up and yeah. will show up at that three o'clock show, that will show up at that 7.30 show, you're gonna see yourself in a way and that's why the hush came over the crowd. That's why it was a six minute standing ovation because now we can see ourselves in a light that is unapologetic, that we are free to be who we are. And for someone, as you correctly said when you first started out, for someone to be able to articulate that better than some of us ever could, mm -hmm. that is what we want people to see. That's where the music collides, that's where the words collide, that's where the talent collides. It's gonna be incredible. So I know that the performance itself is October 22nd, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that there are things leading up to, you know, to the family reunion, so to speak. So can you kind of tell us or give us a little bit of idea what you guys got planned for us? Well, we, we basically looked at this as a as a cultural wedding. Okay. And so the wedding is going to be October the 22nd. And so we have some some really, really cool, intimate activations that we're planning for on the 20th and the 21st okay. um, for um, for Atlanta to be a part of this to kick this off. We're going to have a really nice uh, celebration on the 20th, and we're going to have a really nice um, event and, and kind of, um, you know, even a community engagement day experience for, for the community um, that's going to lead up to the, the stage adaptation. We're also doing a courageous conversation on, on a race that, you know, Bank of America is hosting. So um, we've got a, a lot of things that's going to really set this up in a, in a perfect way to when people people leave on October the 22nd um, they have a they're full appreciation. Feel something. yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome. they're gonna have something to to really process to really noodle on after this experience and then they'll have time later on to kind of connect the dots and see what this particular moment is going to do as far as changing their lives in some in some way wonderful Atlanta, stop playing now. Come on out here, October 22nd. Please, please, please come out and support. Let us see ourselves with the stage adaptation of Ta-Nehisi Coates, Between the World and Me. Thank you guys so much for coming through and it's a really breaking it down. And I, I, we're going to give y'all a 12-minute standing ovation. We got we to show out in Atlanta. We got to represent, especially for Mr. Ron. Come on now. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you come you. on. Thank you guys so Thank much. You. listening to Bottom of the Map, brought to you by WABE and PRX. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It'll help more people find this show. Follow Bottom of the Map on your social media platforms at BOTMPod.
Again, that's B-O-T-M pod. Bottom of the Map is hosted by Christina Lee and Dr. Regina Bradley. Produced by Floyd Hall. That's me. Edited by Stephen Key. Executive producers, Jan Berry and John Hawes. Ayanna Taylor is our project manager. Our theme music is produced by Smith and Cash. Special thanks to Mike Johns and Lois O.G. Reitzes. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Follow, subscribe, connect. Holla. From the steps of the Woodruff Library in the AUC, I love you, Roy. From PRX.